With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so let's get this let's get this out of the way. How about we do? Um, Patrick here with Sam Newberry. Um, Ben's out fighting wolves. Ben Snyder is on assignment, um, being a Wichita State um, supporter. He's the uh, he's the deep mole that uh, Rothstein has at Wichita State's campus. Palpable buzz around. Palpable buzz around Ben Snyder being the deep mole at Wichita. Uh, so we're going to get this out of the way as quickly as we can. Um, we actually have some interesting things to say, I think, about how Marquette, Wisconsin went down on, on uh, Sunday uh, morning, afternoon, depending on where you live. Um, depending on most afternoon, mostly, except I'm weird and live on the West Coast now. Um, but I, th- I think just to, to start, um, we don't want to lose sight of the fact that Marquette beat a team that is still... Uh, considered top 10 in Ken Palm um, on Wednesday um, in pretty phenomenal fashion, I would say. Um, in that Phenom- Phenomenal as in it was a phenomenon that I'm not sure we'll see again, but not necessarily <laughs> in a bad way. No, like, yeah. Talk well, I, about- I, I came away from that game really optimistic. I mean, I think, um, you know, a lot went wrong uh, in the first half. And there wasn't a lot to write home about. Um, but then in the second half, they put so many things together that I think I was really, really encouraged long term. Um, and it obviously did not uh, carry over as much as I thought it might um, into Sunday's game and loss. But sure. I thought in general, coming out of that Purdue game, I was really encouraged uh, about the overall roster talent this has. This team has mostly because of the uh, reliability of Kobe McEwen as a second ball handler and uh, offensive option. Right. And I, I mean, th- I think that, uh, that just, I like to carried over, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. He, he was besides, besides a player that we will talk about. He was the bright spot right yeah. on later. Kobe McEwen had the second, had the only other positive offensive rating. Um, against Wisconsin, and he led the team in scoring, um, made all four of his three-point attempts, uh, had seven rebounds, three assists, uh, made all of his free throws. Um, the, o- the only um, concerning element is the overall most concerning element at the moment for this team, which is two-point shooting. Um, but we don't have to launch two point, it. Well, we'll, we'll get into it in a second, but two-point shooting and turnovers. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, Although, you know, 15 is a lot of turnovers. And, but it was, it was weirdly not sort of the ball handling issues um, against Wisconsin that we're used to. It was traveling, which was kind of a new, a new thing um, for this team. Um, a, new, a new way to continually give the ball away, which is, this team does seem to invent them. Um, anyhow, um, I think the... Um, biggest area of uh, the 
you know, the, the hottest topic right now is how did a team that arguably has a much better roster um, than its Western 90-mile-away counterpart um, go into the Kohl Center and lose uh, by 16 on Sunday. Um, and, you know, I think off the top, um, there are pretty, there are a few pretty clear, um, you know, factors you can point to. But I think the one that stands out the most to me is Wisconsin just played really, 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 really well. Like, incredibly well. Yeah, there's just, I mean, honestly, like, uh, for the people who do follow me on Twitter, I, I had my little mini meltdown on Twitter yesterday. And that was a product mostly of whiskey and being hungover from the night before. Whis- um, whiskey, whiskey, to be clear, the kind you drink, not yeah, the nickname not- for the school that we played. Well, I mean, maybe a little bit of both. But um, <laughs> so now that I've like had a chance to like process it and look back at the stats and watch some of the highlights um, or lowlights, whatever you want to call them, um, watch some of the, the, the game back. Um, I mean, I, I think I stand by my assertion um, in the last pod that uh, Marquette's still probably the better basketball team. We just, we went away. Um, our, our best player went six of 21 from the floor, um, including two of seven from three. And I mean, four of 14 from two is miserable. Um, you know, our, the next scorer that we've been relying on Kobe McEwen was one of five from two. Um, Sakar Annam, O of three, Brendan Bailey, O of two, both of them, um, did were O of two from three. Um, you know, you don't, you, you don't win away basketball games doing that. You don't win away basketball games, letting the opponent shoot. I mean, so we shot about the same percentage from three but they just seem to be hitting everything that they looked at, which this team wasn't exactly an elite three-point shooting team um, for this game, and they had 11 of 23 drop. I mean, that, what, what can you do at that point? They had Bre- Brevin Pritzel, noted Auntie Anne's spinoff. Well, um, yeah, I mean, seriously, like, like he had a, better, 13, a much better spinoff, apparently. Than we were well, and he, had, he, had, he had 13 rebounds, including six offensive rebounds, Marquette has a team had five offensive rebounds. Um, it was phenomenal. Like yeah. I, so Kyle, our our go to Wisconsin apologist, who probably doesn't deserve a shout out on this podcast, but got one anyway. Um, you know, when I was talking about how Pritzel's been so good, he he commented like he was. I I, I said something like I have a lot of jokes to apologize for, and he said, "No, you don't. This is weird." And I was like, "Yeah, I." This is insane, but he yeah. was so good. Like Wisconsin essentially played six guys the whole game. Um, right. Tyler Wall and Trevor Anderson had, um, you know, minutes, but were largely anonymous uh, in general. Although um, Tyler Wall did make a key three pointer at, at one point. I think that was a run like right at the start of the second half where they were like, that was one where Pritzel pulled up from like 33 and just drained one. And that's, that was kind of my brain going, ah, crap, this is probably over. Um, but I mean, like, for our made buckets, you know, we had a pretty decent assist rate. Um, you know, we just, we didn't rebound the ball, period. Um, was it six or seven traveling calls? Um, and then Marcus having a very, very rare cold game. Um, 
where he also was 41% usage. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I think I he think was, I, he, Marquette is going to lose every game that, that the second half plays out like that. Correct. In terms of Marcus Howard, there's just no way because of his usage and, and this is not a Marcus Howard criticism. This is a, this is how this team is designed by default. Um, and their best player who is a, complete and pure shot maker needs to be a shot maker. And if he's 0 for 10 or whatever he was in the second half, uh, it's, it's not going to happen. So, I mean, any, everything else aside, like Marquette never wins this game with an 0 for 10 Marcus Howard in the second half. And you know what, that's just, that's just something that we have to accept. I I think that in general, there's going to be more seven for tens than 0 for tens. I agree. And I mean, like, I, 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 I want to reiterate it if I didn't say it already, because um, I know I told you before we started. Um, this was a perfect storm of a game where yeah. they hit what seemed like everything. They had six guys go into the double digits. Um, you know, they were 18 of 20 from the free throw line. They got nine offensive rebounds. Um, you know, they had more assists than they did. All really great, too. I yeah, thought. just like... Just, in, just in their own ways. Yeah. And I mean, like, everything they did worked. Yeah. And they got, they were playing at home. Um, you know, the foul situation was pretty even. Um, you know, I, just selfishly, I thought maybe there was one or two very kind whistles, but um, oh, I didn't think it was that, that bad, though. Yeah, but it wasn't egregious. The, the, dis- um, the discourse on Marquette Twitter was far aggressive and led by certain individuals. Yeah. Um, it was not um, – I didn't think it was a poorly officiated game at all. I didn't think that – I agree. I didn't think there were any egregious moments, and I think that if, if, there's, if there were bad calls, I thought they were fairly even. Correct. I, I think that's a very good analysis I mean, of it. The one, the one Kobe getting fouled shooting the three was not a foul. Um, the, there was one underneath that was not a foul. Um, uh, that both, both those benefiting Marquette. But, you know, not at critical yeah. junctures by any means. I think we're out of the game at most points uh, by that point. Um, the one thing I will say on the perfect storm point is Theo John actually did a really nice. Well, Theo John and Ed Morrow actually did a really nice job on Nate Reavers. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was too uh, the field. Yeah. So I, I, have, I, I have three for eight, according to. Oh, no, but I'm looking at the wrong stat line. Yeah, he was uh, two for nine, including oh of five from two. I mean. Yeah, I mean that's phenomenal. So he that, only he basically only made shots when he stepped out. Yeah. And he got fouled twice. So, I mean and and honestly, you would have thought and I think I think Joe McCann tweeted this at one point that if you had told me that Nate Reavers was getting locked down defensively in that way, you would have thought Marquette was winning and by a more considerable margin. Right. Um, and it just didn't. And I think that's because um, a number of factors. Uh, Marcus Howard's second half being one of them. Obviously, it's going to happen occasionally. You can't really control it. It is what it is. Um, Brevin Pritzel being phenomenal off the bench. And the guards, um, including Kobe King for Wisconsin, um, all contributing in their own uh, limited but effective ways. Um, and I think... Uh, the other primary area where you can look uh, for struggles is um, one one fifth year senior Sakar Annam turning in 
what I I don't I don't pretend to know to have everything committed to memory as what I would consider to be his worst collegiate performance. So I'm not going to try to make that point. Um, but what good? Just, just one where on both ends of the floor, seemingly at every turn, he was making negative plays. Um, you could point to uh, some turnovers he had. You could point to how he fouled out of the game um, in 26 minutes. Uh, you could uh, point to poor defensive plays. I think the his uh, ankle, his the, the prevailing highlight will be Kobe King breaking his ankle and then shooting a three in his face um, as he was on the ground. Uh, and I think that that, at the beginning of the second half for Wisconsin, was a massive momentum play. That's it, just your backbreaker right there. It really got the crowd into the game. It really started boosting their confidence. And I think um, that combined with a couple of rejection plays, um, mostly credited to Aleem Ford, but kind of on lazy Marquette uh, rim attempts, um, sort of combined to that, or uh, combined to help lead to that stretch where Wisconsin uh, put the game away with threes on three consecutive possessions. Um, because that's, it's not, Wisconsin's not a very confident shooting team usually. And that, Entire stretch to me, I think, was prevailingly driven by the fact that they were just so confident at that point in the game um, because everything was going right for them. Um, and yeah, so back to anyway to Sakar Anim, I just I think the discourse um, among the contributors to Anonymous Eagle was extremely. Um, negative to Sakar Anum, and I think that just his performance um, in that game. And I think the part of the concern is that um, he's a fifth-year senior. So at this point, what Marquette needs the most from him is a can, is a solid floor, um, to use a word that comes up a lot in fantasy football. Um, you know, you've got high ceiling guys and high floor guys. And at this point, a guy with a good, not great overall skill set like Sakar Anum, who's been in the program, this will be his fifth year. You want a consistent, steady floor. Um, and he really bottomed out in this game. Um, he missed all seven of his field goal attempts. Um, he had a, only five, I thought. You're right. Sorry. Um, I was looking. I was looking at field goals and three pointers next to each other um, on the ESPN box score. Um, he missed all five of his field goal attempts. Um, he just consistently was involved in negative plays, um, and it was just re- a really frustrating watch. And it was exacerbated by the fact that Greg Elliott who we can talk about now. Played phenomenally. Yeah, was legitimately great for 26 minutes. Um, He had one bad play um, where he left Pritzel wide Uh, open. He he left, it was Pritzel or Trice, I think, and they just panned a three. Just one of those ones where he just, somebody was on the wrong side of the court and he just left him and... It was in transition, so it was like... yeah. But it was a wide-open three at a point where Marquette could not afford to give up a wide-open three. Correct. Um, but 
in general, he was fantastic defensively. He was fantastic um, using his um, sort of awkward body type skill set um, to make plays happen um, on offense. Um, he scored nine points, which quickly clicking on Ken Palm is not a career high. Um, and he actually scored in double figures like five times um, in his freshman year. So uh, certainly not a career high, but uh, definitely a his sort of big return, I would say, to being a legitimate rotational piece. And I think Andy tweeted a bunch that said, like, he's that dude. He yeah. is that dude. I, I mean, it's amazing to me. Jamal Kane and Greg Elliott have been you know, more memes than players for this program, uh, especially last year where Kane couldn't get on the court. Elliot was in red shirting. Um, and both of those guys looked like they should start this, the next game for Marquette. Right. I mean, I want to call out too, especially in Greg's case, um, four rebounds, a block and a steal to one turnover, even if he didn't have an assist, um, you know, this is a team that is legitimately like a bottom three or four team when it comes to creating turnovers or stealing, or getting steals, I should say. Oh, wow. You're right. Holy crap. Um, Small sample size theater, but my God, my goodness. Yeah. Um, so any guy that can be out there, yeah, I know that like game to game, you can't necessarily read too much into it, but... I mean, it's certainly a slow start in that department, though. Yeah, and if he's going to be canning, I mean, he has three threes this year. He's three of five, but if he's going to actually make threes, um, go two of three from the uh, floor, otherwise inside the arc, um, make both his free throws, record a you know four rebounds and a block and a steal in twenty six minutes. I want that on the court over um, Sakar or you know another person who was roundly abused and or abused criticized um, for a poor play, Brendan Bailey. Um, yeah. So I actually yeah. briefly on Bailey thought Bailey did a decent job on one end of the floor. Um, I thought there were a lot of sequences where when he and Theo John were on the court together, um, they were making it really hard on drivers. Um, so I was not totally like Bailey was bad. Where Bailey was bad is he seems to have completely lost any sort of confidence on offense. And for a 21-year-old basketball player... um, It's not good. Not uh, great. Sophomore or not, technically. um, He is 6'9", 97 is his birth date. So 22... Two. Oh my goodness. For a 22-year-old basketball player, um, that is really distressing. Um, he's no feel offensively right now. He's, I believe, not made a three-pointer this year. If he has, it's been one. One, one against Loyola. That's right. I remember that one, actually, now, now that I see that he made one. Um, but that's his only field goal of the season. Um, and... That play where he missed a layup um, at a semi-critical juncture um, that could have that could have really helped Marquette at that point um, was really sort of 
uh, representative of how his entire offensive game has been this year. Um, because first, he very much passed up an open three, um, having already, I believe, missed at least one, if not two by then. And he completely whiffed one from the corner, just like absolutely yeah. miserably missed. And I think that it already happened um, when he passed up the open three that he had. But, you know, okay, he passed up the open three, but he had a lane to the hoop. So, you know, okay, decent calculus. But then the confidence that he approached the layup with, or lack thereof, was just really scary. Um, and scary from the standpoint of, like, this is supposed to be our big upside guy, and this is supposed to be, this is Ben's guy. Shout out to Ben. Um, and this is, that was just, what? Like, and especially compared to the confidence that Jamal Cain's been playing with offensively, where you can see his urgency and his need to assert himself um, as a, as a rotation player after largely being anonymous last year. Shout out Jamal Cain, uh, two of three from three, one of two from the or inside the arc. Jamal um, Cain looks great this year. That, that, and that, that, so he's be, Jamal's best when he's able to get going downhill, but not too much. And then he gets that little, that pull up jumper he's got works. And well, if he can build his confidence, he has so many moves in his arsenal that he goes right. to on a regular basis. He just needs to be like, okay, this is working, this is working, this is working, and then just sort of throw it all together at once. Right. But, um, you know, after last year, if you would have told me that um, three games into Marquette's season, Jamal looks ridiculously better than Brendan, I would have right. laughed in your face, probably. Right. And that's not any disservice to Jamal. That's just how little he saw the court and then how little confidence it looked like he had when he was there. And now he looks like a completely different player, or at least the player. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to give him unfair expectations, but at least more of the player like Marquette thought they were getting out of him, you know, this wacky athletic wing um, that has a three-point stroke and has a pull-up jump shot um, that's going to contribute um, either at the three or the four. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're finally getting the glimpse of, like, really good Jamal, and, um, you know, just like we talked about, maybe it's time to drop Sakar Anum because of the legitimate problems he's had on offense besides, you know, two key buckets against Purdue in the second half. Yeah. Um, like, we might need to have that talk about Bailey because Bailey is an offensive liability right now. Yep. And the last thing this team needs is an offensive liability <laughs> getting yep. a lot of minutes. That is I the think, absolute last thing this team needs. I think Marquette needs what they're about to get, and that is some time, at least one game, to work through their rotation and try some things. Um, obviously, uh, Davidson is going to present a, a stiff challenge on Thanksgiving. Well, Davidson's looked really bad, so there's yeah, that. But I think any program like that that's, you know underrated criminally all the time um, is going to, you know, present a challenge and that they're going to need to be up to. Um, but a game like the Robert Morris game um, where Robert Morris has just been getting the snoppy out of them um, 
by high major teams to start. Marquette, need, Marquette needs to hang 30 on Robert. Like, we need to win by 30-plus in that game just to, like, if we show any signs of struggling, like, obviously I don't foresee that being a loss. But if we show any signs of, like, the same gears breaking down the offense, I'm going to be very worried for that um, Orlando tournament. Well, Wojo needs to needs Adam and Bailey to get right. But he also, I think, needs to not acknowledge, potentially, but if Elliot and Kane are regularly performing with higher upside, especially Sakar, like I've mentioned, is supposed to be, at least, a high-floor guy where you're playing him and you're expecting a certain thing and not too much deviation from that certain thing. But if you're getting higher ceilings out of Kane and Elliott, which you certainly looked like so far this season, um, and Bailey and Anim are playing below what was supposed to be their minimum threshold, then I think you've got to really consider making a move um, and letting, I think like at half halftime, I posed in the chat that, um, you know, the best lineup for Marquette for the, for the remainder of the game was Howard McEwen, Kane, Elliott, John. And I think most people agreed with that um, in the conversation. So if that's the best lineup um, for Marquette right now, then Wojo has to be, you know, elastic enough to go to that lineup when it's performing and, and let the team help it out. Obviously, they need all seven of those guys to be going. Um, and and including Ed Morrow, um, and to a lesser extent, but an extent because I actually kind of liked what he brought, Jace Johnson. Right, um, J- Jace. I mean, Jace looked like a guy who hadn't played because he's been hurt. But I mean, I think I think he's got some upside or some some. I I was I am more convinced having watched him for five minutes that he's got something to con- contribute to this team than I was at any point for that. So I, I don't think he's going to be a complete zero. I think he's going to have some sort of uh, uh, c- contribution, especially as just a rotate this guy in and keep him fresh. Right. Well, I mean, he's, I mean, obviously he's the biggest guy on the roster. Right. Um, you know, I like the idea of him coming in and giving Kobe, Marcus, Jamal, Greg, you know, Sakar, Brendan, um, get it going. Um, I like the idea of him being a good screen setter. And I mean, like he did get an offensive rebound. He turned it over right after he got that offensive rebound. But considering it was a day where offensive rebounds were um, scarce for Marquette, um, you know, he got one in five minutes. It's uh, it's something. And, you know, having, having an extra body, especially if some of our guys are struggling, um, is going to go a long way. Um, I think one of my biggest, I might have to end up eating crow on some of the two big lineups. Cause if our wings are, so our two starting wings, if they're going to continue to not be very good. And if Wojo is going to try and stick by them too much in the starting lineup, um, you know, I, I might try and limit some of the offensive liabilities that have popped up so far and run a two big lineup a little bit more. Um, so I, I'm very, and you know what, if they can prove me wrong, I'm very willing to eat crow over it. So, um, I don't know. I, we just don't have a big enough look at Jace yet. I, I think I agree that there were some positives that we did see, but we won't actually know the extent of it until 
he gets to eat against Robert Morris. Yeah. Um, I would be, I, I'm curious to watch what he does for the rest of the season. Um, on a topic brought to us briefly by anonymous Eagles own pistol, Brad, um, he talked, he mentioned messaged us on Twitter and said, um, would, am I crazy for wanting more post-ups for Theo John? Um, not crazy. I don't think, but I don't necessarily think the post-up is the right way to say it. Um, I think what I was, um, what I'm most concerned about in the offensive Theo John region, um, of complaints is, uh, I don't think Marquette got a whole lot of paint touches at all in that game. Like they were not using, they were not throwing the ball in the post much at all. And like, and I'm not saying, you know, throwing the ball in the post to post up Theo John. I'm just saying use um, offensive penetration and getting the ball in deep to create more offense. Um, And, you know, largely, their offensive strategy in that game was send Theo or Ed um, to screen, drive off of that screen, and either take a tough shot or kick. Um, And Wisconsin did a really good job addressing that defensively. Um, Reavers was a really effective uh, player in in the pick and roll. Um, as was Liam Ford. Um, and I thought that um, the, a lot of the issues created, that created all the traveling calls um, were related to Wisconsin doing a good job on that. And so I think part of what could benefit Marquette going forward is running sets that get Theo John a post-touch um, and creating out of that, whether it's a shot or a better pass. I think there was a play early in the game where Theo John got a catch in deep and found an open shooter in the wing. Don't remember if it was Jamal or Greg. I think it was Jamal. It was Jamal. Well, I wanted to point out, uh, talking about getting paint touches or post touches, the blog paint touches that we talk about all the time um, did a really good analysis of Marquette possessions for the ball handler um, points per possession in the pick and roll. Um, and then talking about like the, the positives of uh, what giving a post touch to Ed or Theo or Jace on the pick and roll. And you know, just in general, where you, you make a good threat of post offense and draw in, um, you know, some of the defenders for a kick out or whatever else you're looking for. Um, you know, Paint Touches did a really good thread on that on Twitter, so I would definitely recommend looking that up. Um, yeah. But then they do explicitly call out, you know, you can, like, a, a Theo rim run and lob would be great. Um, you know, Marcus hesitates. Um, Theo plants outside the charge arc, and it's, Marcus is forced to bail out the offense with a tough shot, but then he also does talk about that possession where he gives Theo the touch. Theo immediately kicks it out to Jamal Kane in the corner and nails a three. So, like... I think that, and yeah, credit to Wisconsin for doing very well in defending Marquette in the pick and roll. Um, that part of it is on them for being ready for that and 
knowing that it's a weak point for Marquette, but Marquette has struggled um, in the pick and roll, especially the ball handler um, struggling in the pick and roll. And again, as paint touches point out, that's close to one fifth of Marquette's possessions is working in that set where there's some form of screen and roll. Uh, We need to not suck at that. And so far we've sucked at that. Yeah. Um, I think there's obviously a lot of room for improvement. Um, I think that there are enough positive signs out of this game that I think the biggest um, bummer of Sunday is going to remain just the fact that they lost the game that people care more about than any other one game on the schedule. Right. Um, because because again, like Jamal Kane and Greg Elliott are playing really well, and that adds a dimension to this team um, that I don't think we necessarily anticipated or thought we could count on. Um, and yeah, I mean, for for however Marquette has struggled uh, to incorporate the big men offensively in a variety of ways and have been. You know, I don't over reliant use it as your own as as you as you feel um, on sort of Marcus Howard drives and you know two man action to get penetration. Um, the, the the big men have defended really well too. So I mean, there there are a lot of really positive things going on around this team that are going to get kind of buried out of a really tough result that sort of came about um, with a, you know, horrific, unavoidable second half performance from your, your best player and, you know, a really like high level, high percentile of best possible outcome performance from your in-state rival. So, uh, I'm not, I don't want to be mad about it, um, and I'm going to be okay with it. This game, like, in a vacuum, this game just looks like a bad game, but not a miserable loss. Obviously, nothing does happen in a vacuum. There's other questions we have about the two-point offense, again, about the turnovers. Um, You know, take the negatives away from what you will. In a vacuum, it's just a tough loss to an in-state rival on the road. Um, where like you excuse some of the bad um, things that happened outside of, I mean, I, I guess hmm. there's a there's a there's an elegant way to word this. Um, you know, I think that the point I'm really getting at here is that like, yeah, nothing happens in a vacuum. There's a lot of big questions that are now consistent themes, um, but. If you take that away, there were still some very good things here, and I'm, I'm now just reiterating your point. But um, yeah, I don't. I, think we, I don't think we're super mad about it, and I think we. And I think we the are, reason we're super mad about it is because it it is the game it is. Right. I think we are much closer overall to the team that whipped on Purdue in the second half on Wednesday than we are to the team that played Wisconsin on Sunday, and this is just a freak result. Um, not a freak result. Um, we know why we lost this game. There are correctable problems. Um, there are some worrying trends, um, but I think that we are much closer to the team in the second half of the Purdue game than we are to the team in all of the Wisconsin game. 
I agree. Um, do we have any room for? Well, I mean, we have two things we really need to talk about because we did um, we did kick out a, a really last minute thing for questions. So I want to address that first, and then there's sure. one more piece of Marquette adjacent news. Um, before we probably get out of here. So uh, Stephen Kozadowski asked, um, since the topic of uniform seems relevant with Marquette wearing the uh, black alternates um, on Sunday, and then they're wearing the N7 jerseys to honor Native Americans um, with sort of that throwback. Well, it's not. it kind of looks like the throwback road jerseys from the 70s, the turquoise blue, um, but it's not exactly the same uniform. Um, Stephen Kozadowski asks, if you could pick one throwback uniform for Marquette to wear this year, which one would it be? Um, I mean, I think the Bumblebee look would be hilarious to bring back. Um, I don't think... Is that still technically banned by the NCAA? I don't know. Um, the Bumblebee... Uh, so I'm not a great historian on this. I would just default to say the Untucked jerseys. Is that the Bumblebee? Or is no, it different? That's 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 not okay. the Bumblebee. The Untucked jerseys um, are another good answer. Um, that's what I asked, that'd be my answer. It'd be so baller. Well, I mean, then I keep going back to those road jerseys from 71 to 74, the, the championship blue with the, uh, Navy gold and championship blue stripes down, uh, both the Jersey and the shorts. Um, I just really, really like that color. I wish Marquette wore the, that color more. Um, plus it was designed by, uh, Bo Ellis. So I think that'd be really cool to wear for a year if we could. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, just everything that Marquette puts out jersey-wise. So yeah. I always say don't overthink it. Um, right. Also, I've been told that black jerseys are unlucky. Um, <laughs> so that could be a factor of also what happened on uh, on Sunday to bring it uh, full circle. Right. Um, just, like, just like we should have, hopefully, we need to leave the gray jerseys and just get in exile. Maybe the black jerseys need to join them. Are we? Do we have anything else besides that on the on the Twitter questions? Well, um, not on the questions, but we do have one more topic. Um, so on when this coming yeah. Wednesday, this is what I thought you meant. Yeah, yeah, four four thirty <laughs> Eastern, three thirty Central, one thirty for people like Pat out west. Yeah, um, Dawson Garcia will commit. Uh, so Dawson Garcia, six ten, six eleven, depending on what site you ask. Um, four to five star recruit again, depending on which site you ask um, heavily recruited by Marquette since like basically he was like a sophomore out of uh, prior Lake Minnesota. Um, you know, Marquette already has two really good front court pieces coming in um, and Justin Lewis and Oso. Um, but I uh, guys obviously are more, guys are more threes than four. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I, I would agree at least um, with Oso. Yes. Um, yeah. Oso re- reminds me a lot more of Jamal Kane. Um, then he does say, like, uh, I don't even know who else I'd slot in in that, like, slightly bigger Wayne role. Um, Justin Lewis seems more physical, more of a rebounder. So maybe I want to flip that. Maybe Justin Lewis is more like Jamal and um, Oso is more like Brendan um, without any negative connotations in that comparison. But um, obviously Dawson Garcia would be, like, the cherry on top of the recruiting class. Um sure. To be a very formidable front court um, featuring Theo John, Dawson Garcia, those two, um, Brendan and Jamal, probably playing on the wing at that point. Um, Dawson Garcia would likely be Steve Wojciechowski's second 
best recruit after Henry Ellenson. Oh no, I was going to say second best recruit that he had not also already had the older brother of on the team. Because then that rules out Joey Hauser and Henry Ellenson and Marcus Howard, obviously, maybe not as, you know, consensus at the time when he brought it in, but is obviously the best get he's ever had. Thank you, Stan Johnson. God bless Stan Johnson, Um, who is also the lead recruiter on Dawson Garcia, unsurprisingly. Right. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, this would be a game changer. Um, Justin Lewis and Oso are both really nice pieces. Dawson Garcia um, is... 611 220 and 17. Yeah, he gets um, he he gets talked about as a centerpiece of a recruiting class where while I'm stupid excited for both Justin and Oso they're the type of player that Wojo loves to recruit and seems to do um well in his system um plus you know he'll be able to you know just how versatile they are they can play up and down a lineup. Um I know Oso's uh coach rambles about how he can defend 1 through 4 basically. Um, so like they're, they're, they're fantastic players in their own right, but Dawson Garcia is the type of person that is the crown jewel of a recruiting class. Um, and that's a huge get. He's been a a name that's been, uh, bandied about, um, on Marquette recruiting obsessive places for a long time. mm -hmm. Um, and he's like a really, seems like a really quality, uh, athlete. Um, right. Well, and he absolutely shined when he played for the uh, U-17 U.S. team. Um, But, I mean, he's been, like, highly rated on 24-7 forever. Like, basically ever since he's come on the, the, uh, like, since his age group started being ranked, he's been been right there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge get if Marquette delivers. Um, Anyone who has a you know, one of those fun, um, I believe as we now refer to them, crystal bowel, uh, predictions. Um, yeah, I don't put in a ton of, no, definitely not, but there's been no movement away from Marquette. Right. And if there was movement, you'd be concerned if there was movement, but there's not movement. I think, um, I, I've come so, uh, obviously there are guys out there that you really do want to have, like, when your team gets connected with certain guys, you definitely want to end up with their name on your roster. Um, I still sit in the same, or generally the same camp as Andy, um, where I want guys that want to be here first. Um, obviously, like, you want the kid to do what's best for them. I think at this point, like, obviously, what I, I'm not trying to talk Dawson Garcia out of Marquette. I'm just saying that at this point, I don't want to end him to end up at Indiana. Because Indiana's fans are ridiculously mad online literally all the time. Like, I, they were, like, there were people in the Indiana fandom on Twitter that were constantly name-searching Dawson Garcia and posting, like, Indiana gifts and, like, making fun of Marquette people for saying Dawson Garcia is visiting Marquette. Like, yeah, I, the, the fan base is definitely, like, very much annoyed themselves or annoyed me and I never want to put up with them again. Um, shout out to the good Indiana fans. I know I have you uh, out there on the timeline, but there was some really, really, really ridiculously online Indiana fans. And um, yeah. So at this point, like if he goes to Memphis, obviously. Um, so he's down to Marquette, Indiana, Memphis and Minnesota. Um, 
Memphis would be the appeal of playing for Penny Hardaway. Um, obviously, that's looking like it's going to become sort of a, a place where you try and uh, churn out one-year players to go to the NBA. Um, uh, and I mean, un- until the shop already gets, closed, yeah. gets shut down. Yeah. But moving on from that. Um, and then obviously, like, if he stays home in Minnesota, like, he wants to play for his hometown team. You can't fault him for that. Um, and then, you know, the best possible outcome is he ends up at Marquette. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, as long as he doesn't end up in Indiana, I'll respect his decision. If he ends up in Indiana, um, have fun dealing with the fan base. <laughs> that was I a little bit much. Decision either way. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I won't doubt him for wanting to go to Indiana for basketball reasons. I just am really annoyed with that fan base right now. So that's purely personal reasons why I'd rather him not end up in Indiana Jersey. Yeah. I mean, it's all personal annoyance and not like, Oh, you're not a good fit there. Or, oh, like it's not a good program. Um, it's just Sam lashing out at online people. Yeah. Um, crap. Okay. Uh, anything else we need to take care of? Uh, no, nope. I mean, like we said, we have the Robert Morris game on Saturday. Um, should be a comfortable win. And then we'll probably be back in front of you all before the Davidson game over Thanksgiving. So, um, yes. yeah, I guess until then, um, if you have any other questions, I feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Um, feel free to reach out to the anonymous Eagle handle on Twitter and he, he can pass it along to us. Direct, yeah. direct any negative comments to at Ben Snyder 94. <laughs> you can direct them at me too. I'm all right with it. Um, so I'm at S-N-E-W-B-2-2 um, on Twitter. Um, until then, um, you know, it's a, it's a crappy loss. But I think, like I said, I think there's, there's still some positives. And I still think that this team's a lot better than what we showed on Sunday. The, gra- the grass is greener on the other side, folks. Correct. <laughs>